Hi there, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder, and this is Learning to Fail. People are complicated. Hollywood is filled with complicated people. My guest today is Bobby Slayton. What can I say about Bobby that hasn't already been said? Doesn't matter. I love the guy. Bobby is, hands down, one of the funniest people alive. Of course, when I told him that, his response was, you haven't met enough people. Everything the guy says comes out funny. Mean at times, but funny. So, how do you like learning to fail? Have you learned to like failing, or do you fail to like learning? Whatever the case, thank you for listening. Please keep tuning in weekly and help us to reach more people by telling them. I love reading reviews on iTunes. If you haven't already done so, please take a moment to rate our podcast and write a review of your own. It's free, but it's invaluable. Make sure you check out our website, ltfpod.com, and visit our Amazon page every time you buy anything online. By clicking on our link before you shop, you can support the podcast without spending a nickel of your own money. You can also drop a dime on our donation page. Every little bit helps. As always, the most important thing you can do is simply to listen to the podcast and inspire others to do the same. We encourage everyone to try learning to fail, with or without adult supervision. And now it's time for my conversation with Bobby Slayton. Bobby has been headlining for 40 years. He's been in movies, TV shows, done countless morning radio spots, for a time even had his own room in Vegas. Not a small feat for any comedian. One of the things I always gain from my time spent with Bobby is what it truly means to entertain. Not everybody has that elusive thing that makes for a star. Bobby has it. A word of caution, Bobby works blue, even in interviews. So be prepared to hear all the words you're not allowed to say on TV and some you probably shouldn't say at all. All right. All right, I'm ready. Let's Thank go with the big podcast. First of all, okay, you want to introduce me? How does this work? No, you just start talking, man. You're introduced. You're Bobby Slayton. Everybody knows who you are. Your, your voice, as soon as they hear your voice, they know who they're hearing. Nobody knows who I am when they hear my voice. They think I'm B. Arthur or something, but she's dead. Or Harvey Firestein. <clears throat> you know, my voice never used to sound like this. It was very kind of high-pitched. You know, if you watch some of these old comedy shows I was on, I had this high-pitched like prepubescent Jay Leno kind of voice, and hey, my girlfriend. And I, I, people think it was from just being from New York, but it's years of smoking and yelling, and neither of which I really do anymore. So now my voice. Yeah, I haven't seen. I haven't seen your act in a while. How's how's what is your act like now? Because I mean, I know that it has to have changed. What impressions and puppets? No, you're not doing impressions and puppets. See, that's, that's impossible. What sells these days, puppets. And no, that's hypnotism. bullshit. Um, no, what sells is great comedy. Last night I was at, I was at the store all night last night and uh, with the comedy store yeah. why? Well, because I've started performing stand up. You did? Yeah, two years ago for my forty sixth birthday, I decided I wanted to do this. Really? And I gave myself five minutes on stage. And how'd I, you get on last night? Did uh, you get, did well, you, I didn't get on last no. night. I tried to for the potluck and uh, kill Tony. I'm at that stage where I'm trying to, you know. What's it called? Kill Tony. Kill Tony. Yeah, Tony Hinchcliffe. You know, he's got this live podcast where he has I've a heard couple. Of him. He, I would, you would be great on his panel. I don't know if you want to do it, no. but, but you'd be great because his panel, basically what he does is he brings up new comics for one minute and then, uh, 
he and his guests give feedback and mostly make fun of the people who just got no, on stage. I don't like to do anything with other comics. I don't like to do, I, I don't like to do podcasts. I mean, I was telling you and all your imaginary listeners that, um, <laughs> I, you know, I've never, I've done hundreds of podcasts and I think uh, Mark Maron's and of course Gilbert Gottfried's, I've gotten, you know, a couple of dozen, uh, you know, people that have said how much they liked it on Facebook or Twitter. David Feldman, you know, comedian from uh, San Francisco, a few yep. people, but no other podcast have I heard anything from anybody ever. Well, I'll make sure everybody. So I'm doing this as a favor to you. Well, we I know a you are. Of, yeah, but who listens to you? So a couple of a couple of yoga people, a couple of hippies in in, in North Carolina, the the, the vegan hippies that they're never going to come see my <laughs> Trust show. Trust me, there's no vegan hippies listening you know, to you. Was, they're yeah. going to be like Bobby Slayton. I think Jason's yeah. jumped the shark. Yeah. No, I mean, I... The last remnants of the John Baez fan club that are still kicking around, you know, who still wear, you know, bell bottoms with, with tie-dye shirts and butterfly patches on their asses. And who listens to this? Nobody. But it's okay. I'm going to do it like it's a big podcast. Yeah, you're bringing it. Yeah. You're bringing it. Well, I appreciate that. Um, but getting back to you, enough about me. So stand up. Yeah. You know, it's good that people, I told you that I just started playing the drums again. I played when I was a kid and I'm never going to be good, but I'm not doing it. To be good, I'm doing it because I just like to play drums. My girlfriend bought me those for my birthday, probably so I don't hit her anymore. <laughs> she thought maybe if I could, she could, could distract you with some shiny anger towards the drums. You know, I wouldn't beat her. So how's that going? You're in a new relationship. That's got to be. That's none of your concern. Okay, perfect. What about my one listener who wants to know you have you're, a heart? No, I, why do you limit yourself like that? You have a lot of imaginary listeners, not one real listener. <laughs> I think about thousands and thousands of imaginary listeners. That is one real listener. I should think more abundantly. sitting there with incense and you know, gypsy beads and a covered wagon and reading palms, whatever the fuck your listeners do. But. Well, for guaranteed my mother listens to this and, yeah. and my producer. So you got a minimum two people. And I actually have developed a couple well, three, of... three, don't you listen? Well, Gizmo of course, like. hi Gizmo. Gizmo's done. Gizmo doesn't like. Yeah, they say yeah. dogs if, reflect their owners. No, so no, if, if if you if you put a hand up, he doesn't like when you point. Watch when I point this stuff. Okay, uh, I can't even point. Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's not my fault. All you have to do is point the thing. He doesn't like anybody pointing. Shh. Okay, Gizmo. Okay. I'm sorry to get you all excited. No point. If yeah, he sees he's a, a hand, cute he's dog. Very mad. Okay. It's okay. I will try to. I'm Jewish. It's hard to talk without it's my hands. Okay, but Gizmo. okay. Anyway, uh, are we on yet? Yeah, we're going to start in a minute. Yeah. Okay. So. You asked about what I was doing at the store. Ah, yeah, Gizmo, stop it. He wants to know too. Yeah, I don't really care. Um, but did you watch any good comics? Yeah, well, Andrew Dice ah, Clay Gizmo, came up. Gizmo, stop it. God, what? And, yeah. Sorry, Andrew Dice Clay came up and did a half hour, which was pretty interesting. Oh, we did? Yeah. Is this all on the open mic night? Well, yes, exactly. It's like the first like hour is people like me who sign up for the potluck, and then the next couple hours are employees, and then it's the paid talent with occasional pop-in yeah. superstars like him. Superstars. You know, I saw Dice the other day at Best Buy. Um, that's Speak. what I like about L.A. You never know who you're going to run into right. when you go to the store or you walk your dog in the park, you know, I'm, me and my girlfriend walk our dogs, and you know, Ann Margaret will be there, or Gene Simmons. You always see people, it's LA, you know, you right. go to the car wash, and it's still funny. <laughs> yesterday, I'm, yesterday I'm in Costco, and standing in front of me in line is uh, Paul Stanley. Oh my God. You know, I see him the all the time. The whole band of Kiss lives out here? Huh? All of Kiss lives out here? Well, I think they're the only two real Kiss guys left. Oh, yeah. Because the other two are interchangeable. You know, Ace really is gone, and I don't know if the cat lives here, but those are the two guys. Right. You know, they're like the Mick and Keith. Yeah, yeah, the, right, uh, right, right, yeah. Of Kiss. But uh, I see Paul all the time at the grocery store. I see him at Gelson's. But I never thought I'd see him at Costco. I just figured he, 
being a multi-billionaire rock star, he'd have people go to Costco for him. But I went up to him and I did this every time. Who likes to rock and roll all night at grocery shop every day? <laughs> <laughs> and every time it makes him laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that is, I mean, that is something that is totally unique about LA. And I lived here for a long time and I've kind of forgotten about this. But as that, you know, people who are stars and celebrities and they're a big deal, especially when you're, a, when you don't live in LA, you only see them on the screen. But here they're also walking around having a normal life and you run into them. Yeah. Yeah. Or what appears to be a normal life. But, you know, in the restaurants, I'm, I'm you know, and like an idiot, I still, I'll never go to a big star, but, you know, I'll always go to a guy like I see this one of my favorite Thai restaurants. I see what's his name. I forgot his real name from a Groundhog Day. Ned Ryerson, you know, the, the, the insurance salesman. Oh, that guy, right, yeah, in the yeah. bottle. Yeah. yeah. So, and I go, you get that a lot? He goes, every day, five <laughs> times. People, people, the only reason I knew Ned Ryerson is I had to look it up on, on my phone. But he goes, people, you know, people know this crap. I went to a horror convention recently because, you know, I love my monsters. And a guy comes up to me with a script from Ed Wood. I had one little scene in Ed Wood. For some reason, he's carrying a script from the Johnny Depp movie, Ed Wood. I know why I had it. And he said to me, you're Slick Slamopovitz, Seeker of Adventure. And he remembered my one-minute scene from Ed Wood, a movie that came out what, 10, 15 years ago. Because there's these people that just know this trivia. And you know, these are guys that just, you know, no friends, don't get laid. And instead of shooting everybody in movie theater, they dressed up as Batman or you know, had a screening of Batman, they do it in a more healthy way, I guess. Right. You know, they watch Pornhub, they jerk off. They dress up like Spider-Man, hoping to shoot jizz out of their wrist, but they don't hurt anybody. So <laughs> those are the good geeks. <laughs> and those are the guys you run into when you're at all Costco? All the time. All the time. All the time. People remember that movie, Ed Wood. So, you know. so I guess that guy figured I'm one of those geeks. Well, back when I met you, uh, you know, my ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, Georgia, you may have remembered. Right she... I knew that wouldn't last. Yeah, well. She was a cunt. <laughs> you can say that on the internet. No, you're going to cut that out because your mother's listening? No, I'm not going to cut anything out. You think your mother will go, you know, I like that guy. He's right. Your girlfriend was a cunt. Being your mother, I don't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure your mom listens to this episode. I, I promise she will listen to this episode. And so probably will my ex. Okay. It'll be the one that she listens to. I don't to. remember. Did I meet her? You did. She came because they were in the car and then someone had to use the bathroom. My daughter was here. My stepmom was here. I don't and, remember. And my stepmom got along really well with Teddy, and they hit it off. And, I don't and, remember. And, well, I, I only bring it up because Georgia's favorite movie is the movie you were in with um, uh, Bruce Willis. And, oh, Bandits. Yeah, right. That's like her favorite movie. Oh, she that's was, right. Now I remember. She's not a cunt. I take that back. No, no. She's a good no, person. No, no, yeah. no. I remember saying that. that Because I, I, it was a good, it was a really funny movie. I remember seeing it and laughing. And I thought it was great. It got mediocre reviews, came out a week after 9-11. That's why I'm writing this book, 40 Years of Showbiz Hell, because the week of 9-11, uh, which was a pretty horrible week, um, the movie was supposed to open up in New York. We were flying back to New York. And then Mind of the Married Man and HBO was going to premiere that week. And then, of course, everything was put back a week or a month because of... 9-11, understandably so. And I remember feeling so bad for myself, going, you know, I was supposed to do Howard Stern, and I was supposed to open up this new comedy showroom with Joe Rogan. I was supposed to, all these things were going to go on. And then 9-11 hits, and I felt so bad for myself and my career. And then I saw two people, you know, jumping out of a, you know, the, the 80th floor, holding right. hands on fire or whatever. And I go, I, you know, those people are having a bad day. Yeah. My little TV show being postponed in the scheme of things is really no big deal. Oh, that's nice to that's hear. That's the way I've, and ever since then, that's how I've looked at show business. When I told you before we went on the air 
And I, I guess I can say this in front of your imaginary listeners. I'm sick of doing stand-up. I hate it, you know? And uh, I, I wouldn't say hate it. It's not like working in a coal mine, you know, coming home with black lung disease. But uh, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of all the assholes out there. I'm tired of all the idiots. I'm tired of the traveling, you know? It's a hard and, life. Huh? It's a hard life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, you know? I mean, I remember reading an article once, Ellen DeGeneres, many years ago, saying, you know, I'm glad I got a TV show because I was on the road. My life, you know, it was so hard. I know how I did it for seven years. Good seven years, try 30, now 40. But, you know, and, 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 and it's, 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 it's not tough when you're Jerry Seinfeld flying in a private jet. You have your own floor at Caesars Palace. I, know, I mean, I'm not jealous or bitter. It's, it's great when you're making, you know, a million dollars a weekend. But playing some of these horrible comedy clubs, you know, for drunken assholes and idiots. Um, and there's some great comedy clubs, don't get me wrong. Um, but everybody seems to think it's really hard life, and then people think it's really easy life. Well, you work an hour a night, you make a thousand dollars a week, you know, and you're not working an hour a night. My my late wife never got that. I wish I could make three, four thousand, five thousand, whatever a week, a night, you know, a month. It, but but it's not working a night. You know, it's your whole. You know, you you're always working if yeah. you're a good stand-up comic. You're always thinking about jokes. It's you're always doing it. You know. It's like a rock band. You're not working an hour and a half a night. You're writing songs. You're, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of work to some of these jobs. People don't seem to understand. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Especially now that I'm doing it. I mean, when I did my first five minutes, I spent 25 hours writing for it. Yeah, and you keep spending that amount of time. And then when you get to a point where you can make a living, you know, people don't look at all the time you spent putting into this yeah. you know and again it's like being a rock and roll star or even a rock and roll in a band not even famous but all the years you spend playing shitty little gigs having day jobs and working at night and you know and writing songs and practicing and then people see you on stage oh, wow they're making a you know my father my father's always, always like there with a restaurant you go to a Chinese restaurant what do you, what do you think this food cost 25 cents you know <laughs> one time soup's three dollars probably cost them a nickel but, but it doesn't cost them a nickel you right. know it's all the insurance and waiters and theft and paychecks and loss and you know bad nights and so it's all that that goes into it which right. a lot of people don't look at they yeah. look at oh, the restaurant's packed these guys making a fortune well you know they weren't always packed, and it's a lot more work than people think. Yeah. Because I love to cook, and people go, you should open a restaurant. I also like to sing. It doesn't mean I should be at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> <laughs> you should be in Carnegie Hall, I, but well, doing I comedy. Be. I should be. Yeah. Have you, what what um, kinds of shows are you doing these days? Are you still playing clubs for drunk assholes, or are you playing? Uh -huh. No, still playing clubs for drunk assholes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to get you to Asheville sometime. Would you ever yeah, come there? You know what? There was a club there for a while that I remember somebody tried to book me and the guy said, no, we, we, we wouldn't book him. You know, it's too uh, politically incorrect. You know, it's like this asshole has a club up in Portland. He said the same thing, you know. Sometimes they go, well, you know, they, they offer me really crappy money, but they don't really want me there because they don't want, you know. See, you can do it. Even Bill Burr, one of my favorite comics, if not my favorite comic, you know, he's still says the same thing. It doesn't matter how big he is, how great he is, there's still jackass in the audience that boo and hiss and, you know, get angry, and, you know, whatever the jokes are, you know? And I, I've been doing that stuff for a long time, and it's, it's, it doesn't... And now, because I don't even want to get into President Pumpkinhead, I can't even call that douchebag by his real name, but, you know, it's almost because of him... I don't want to make fun of the gay people, the Mexican people, the transgender people. I almost feel almost like them now because I hate <laughs> Pumpkinhead so much. Right, right. So I just don't want to do this anymore because I'll make jokes about him. There's always assholes in the audience that still support that piece of shit, you know, and Mike Pence, who's a piece of shit, and, you know. And the only reason I don't pray for Trump's death every day 
It's because I don't believe in God and I don't want Pence becoming president. That's the only reason. Th- those are, yeah. Those are, those but are, anyway, those enough, are valid reasons. Yeah. Enough, enough about him. Uh, but that is an interesting thing for you that like, I mean, making fun of Trump, uh, David Chappelle said something pretty interesting the other day. He said, Trump's been bad for comedy because it's such low hanging fruit that yeah. everyone's doing that and they're not sort of thinking and being right. original and doing other stuff. Right. I thought that was pretty interesting perspective. Well, I, I mention him in my show because I'm, it, it leads into other bits, you know, about his intolerance to people and then, you know, and I, then I get it myself. But speaking of Mexicans, I don't really like him either. But so it, it's like a, it's like a double-edged sword. I'll stick up for him, then I'll make fun of him, you know. And uh, it's actually helped me as long as I don't focus on him. But all I need is one asshole talking about how Trump is great or one drunken bachelorette bitching. And I just, I don't have the patience to deal with these assholes anymore. Mm. You know, I just don't like people. I'm, I'm home for the whole summer. You're very lucky I let you come over to my beautiful home and do this interview, but I knew thousands of imaginary people would be listening, and I wanted to <laughs> say hello to all of them. I like the fact that you're encouraging me to think abundantly about my imaginary listeners mm-hmm. instead of scarcely about my actual listeners. Like, that's can, very Asheville of you. You're really, you, I, 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 you've I, evolved. I like to look at the potters half full of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it could be all the way full. Yeah, of nothing. Yeah, it will be someday, but yeah. okay. Um, anyway, so uh, are we on yet? We're going to start any second. I'm just waiting for it to get interesting, okay. and then I'm going to hit right play. Right now, don't, don't, my dog looks like don't about lose, to bark. Don't wave my he hand. sees your hands moving. Watch yeah. out for Gizmo. Yeah. He's being very quiet right now. He's doing great. Now, I know. You had the whole routine set up, and you gave him a snack, and everything was supposed to go according to plan, and then you're... And then the doorbell rings. Yeah. My girlfriend calls. Oh. You know, nobody rings my doorbell ever. Nobody calls me ever, which I like it that way. And as soon as you say, okay, we're rolling, doorbell rings, phone rings, dog barks. So that's the real reason you didn't want to do the podcast. You're like, I don't want my phone to ring. I don't want my doorbell to ring. I know oh. that as soon as we start recording, my life's going to get busy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm off the whole summer. I, Not by my own volition, but I am thrilled to death that, um, you know, summer's particularly slow for comedy because, you know, people are traveling, they want to be outside. Um, and there are so many comics now, so many comics that has made it tough for guys like me who are still playing clubs. I, I don't have a draw. I have a small draw, but, you know, people... A lot of people aren't going out to see comedy anymore. I mean, I mean, not just HBO Showtime, but Netflix. Right. So much comedy. Yeah. There's Amazon and there's so many things to stay home and watch that, uh, you know, that people aren't going out as much. And, and, and a lot of people my age, you know, in the 50s and 60s, I could have said 60s and 70s, but I'd rather go a little lower. <laughs> people in their 50s and 60s, they, um, they don't want to go to comedy clubs and have shitty food. You can go to movies and get better food now than you can in a comedy club. I mean, you have clubs like Levity Live and the Irvine Improv. I mean, there's some clubs, uh, the improv chain, is, they have some really good food. But most comedy clubs, it's not their specialty. So if people are going out for dinner, they want to go to a restaurant and then go home, and they don't want to sit in a comedy club with, you know, 20-something mindless idiots texting and drunken bachelorettes and... You know, yeah. just idiots. Yeah. Too many assholes out there. It's amazing to me. And I guess it's always been this way. How many people just can't drink, you know, assholes at baseball games. I, I, I would never go. People go, yeah, I, I get calls all the time from friends. I have box seats for the Dodger game. They're playing the Yankees. And I go, you know, I don't really give a shit about the game. But if I did, I have a giant television. I can watch the game right. here. And I can watch a replay here. 
Yeah. And I can stop the game and go take a leak. And I don't need to be there peeing in a pig trough with all these horrible people and children and drunks and <laughs> fat slobs and you know, people who are, you know, where they wear they paint their faces, they they, they him and his wife wears his and hers, matching Dodger jerseys, you stupid fat fucks. I hate people like that. You know. And they're the ones you see on TV. That's where that's the, yeah, the camera that's why, pants. That's why I don't go to the movies. If somebody walks in a movie ten minutes late, I want they should just die. How do you walk in a movie ten minutes late? No. Yeah. You know. I had uh Munich. Remember that movie Munich? Yeah. So I saw that in Nashville and about fifteen minutes in I saw the musical. And when they when they start killing all the Jews, it's they start well, well, they yeah, start singing. Yeah. What you, yeah. Anyway, so like thirty kids walked in and just started making a shitload of noise, and they stay the entire film. Why they would even go to a movie like that? It'd be I don't movie. know. And they laughed when uh, when they shot the guy like and out of his. They chased right. him out of his hotel room and shot him in the snow. Right. They actually thought that was funny. Well, spoiler alert: if you didn't see the movie, people. You yeah, know. well, it's, it's, everyone knows it's about these the Israeli athletes getting killed in Munich. So right. it's not a you don't go into that movie not knowing how it ends. Right. Except exactly. for these kids who right. thought it was a comedy, at that and just a bad comedy with only one funny right. scene when the guy died right. gruesomely. Yeah. So, what are you are you home writing new material? Like, no. are you no? Okay, no. writing the book. I was working on a book for a couple of years. You know, our friend David was helping me and. I stopped, you know, I lost interest in it, like I lose interest in everything else. I would love to read that book. Do you need help writing it? Do you need help finishing no. it? No. No, I'll finish it. I, a lot of things happened in my life since I was writing it, you know, and between my wife's death and I did a couple of projects for Woody Allen, so it was like, you know, I got to really write, but I just lost interest in it, you know, I don't, uh, but I'll, I'll get interest again. I, I just need a break from everything for a while. Yeah. So I have the whole summer off, you know, three months. A couple of, I mean, one or two dates in August, and I'm just uh, spending the time hanging out with my girlfriend and my dog and swimming and playing my drums. It's nice. I've never had more than two weeks off at a time, and that's even been rare. I mean, there might have been, in 40 years, two, three weeks off here and there, maybe, you know, but um, but then there was always the family, and you know, since that time off, I was picking my daughter from school and going to Disneyland and you know, doing daddy stuff and family stuff. And now, it's the first time I don't have any obligations. Where's your Where's your daughter these days? Is she in town? Is she working? She lives down the street. When, okay. In L.A., when I say down the street, I'll be sure Oak, she's in Studio City. So L.A., it's pretty much down the street. Yeah. And what's she doing? She was she was singing at one point, she's right? She's still singing, and she's working on some websites for people, and she's just staying busy. Okay. Staying busy. Um, you know, um... And my girlfriend lives around the corner, too, which is phenomenal. Uh, and she lives right up the street. And in L.A., she's literally five minutes away. And L.A., that's like next door neighbors. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, yeah. yeah, that's great. I know. When I was driving over here, it was like, oh, it's about a half hour from where I was. And that's where you? Uh, Santa Monica. You know, that could be a half hour. It could be an hour. It could be 20 minutes. And I'm very anal about being on time. So I always get everywhere early, especially the airport. Yeah. So I'd rather just get there. Right. Rather pace around my house, I should leave soon. I should, because you never know in L.A. It's like any town, but in L.A. it's notorious for having traffic. You know, you'll you'll go at rush hour for some reason. It'll be fine, and then mid morning and a holiday, eleven o'clock, you go. There's a million people. Where are they going? They're going away from the beach. It's a shitty day. They're not going swimming. It's a Sunday afternoon. They're not working. Where's everybody going? Uh, yeah, you know, those in are LA, the days they become, shut. It's become so unpredictable as far as driving anywhere that. Um, you know, Santa Monica is about a half hour. Yeah. And my girlfriend lived in Santa Monica. This relationship never would have happened, but she's literally five minutes away. Tonight I'm going over for dinner. 
she's got a lot of work to do. So I go over, come home, you know. Perfect. In an hour. It's great. <laughs> this it's is great. Same amount of time that you're willing to do a podcast. Is that what you say when she calls? I, like, I basically come over for an hour. I like, give, give you an hour. hour. Whether it's you or my girlfriend, you get an hour. <laughs> How much it. time does a dog get? All day. All day, yeah. All the time he needs. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a handful. Right? Are you my baby? Are you my baby boy? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. I'm glad he's still here. I didn't know how old he, how old is he now? He's going to be 14 in October. Yeah. And he's, he's got prostate cancer. And he's, matter of fact, when you leave, I got to go buy medicine for his, his feet. He's got allergies. This dog's cost me so much money. He was going blind two years ago. And I paid $5,000 that at the time I didn't have. I got hit with this giant tax bill. Um, I mean, all these, you know, expenses, they just comported. And I was broke, literally broke. And, um, Lost money at the stock market. Everything happened the same month. And then my dog was banging into things. And everybody from the vet to my doggy expert friends uh, all said, look, dogs don't really need their eyesight. As long as they have their hearing and their smell, that's the most important thing. And I, I couldn't watch him banging into stuff. So it cost me actually six grand to bring his eyes back. And what did you, What was the process? Huh? What was the procedure? How did they get his eyes back? They took, um, that's why my wife passed away. We took her eyes out. Now my wife's <laughs> so your wife's so still looking at so you yeah, every day. So yeah. But that's why the dog made me stop licking my balls because my, it's my wife <laughs> looking at me and I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> no. um, it's a procedure. I don't know what they do. What am I, Dr. Doolittle? They, I don't know. I mean, it's, if yeah, you pay $6,000 for a procedure for your animal, yeah, you probably know you, what it was. You, you can't do it with all all kinds of blindness. With his, you could have cataracts. Okay. So they so, just did a cataract swap. Cataracts. My Chinese neighbor has a new cataract. It's got the power steering. It's uh, it's uh, El Dorado. It's, uh, oh boy, good gas mileage. They still make those cars. I don't even know. But um, anyway, you can use that joke. Oh, I got a cataract. So do you? Uh, I, I remember. So this is. I had a pretty funny experience. What it was all internal. Uh, when I met you, Maybe I we was should keep it there. I, well, unfortunately, it's about to come out. So when I was, when I met you, I was in China at one point making my yoga product and I noticed the way people drive there and you have all these jokes about You're like Trump. You could make your yoga products here. I yeah, do now. Sh- Everything's okay. made in the U S okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is back then. And so I was kicking around China and the way they drive in China is insanity. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's like sticks and leaves flowing down a river, you know, and they just somehow move out of each other's way most of the time. I thought it would be like Caucasian drivers would be bad there. It would be the exact opposite, like Bizarro World. Well, Caucasian drivers can't handle it there because right. we're used to people doing something predictable. But if like following the laws? Following, like having laws. Right. You know, and, and also just the vehicles in China aren't what you'd think. Like they're just not, they look, the vehicles there are like the bar and Star Wars where Jabba the Hutt holds court well don't they they have regular cars though toyotas and nissans and they have some regular cars and they have a lot of mashup vehicles you know like tractors mixed with bicycles so like like road warrior yeah exactly yeah and that's what china's like and and they go the wrong way how do they would they make just build their cars from they build from whatever's lying around i mean people have no money they just you know they they make a car they make a car they make a bicycle they make something that moves and and they don't drive anywhere that you'd expect them like they'll be coming down the on-ramp you know they'll be exiting on the on-ramp and you have to wait and they're not just the vehicle they're carrying bamboo that's sticking out you know 10 feet in both directions so you can't pass them yeah you can't you can't go past them you can't you just gotta wait and they're going you know they're pedaling on a, <laughs> and you're in a car and but but uh so i had sent you this note from China that, you know, I think the Asian drivers in America are the, the, actually the best in breed, you know, and I, and, uh, I was like, yeah, hey, you can use that. And, and you were like, yeah, whatever. 
And I was like, and I was hurt because, you know, you didn't want my joke. And now that I'm doing comedy, people offer me shit all the time. You know, or if I laugh at something, oh, you can use that. I'm like, I just enjoyed the fact that you said it. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not looking for material. I understand yeah. it. The whole point was to say, like, I get it from a totally people different People say design. things to me and they'll always go, you can use that. But sometimes people will say something funny. And I go, did you think of that? They go, yeah. And I, half the time they didn't. Right. They, they might not have stolen it <clears throat> consciously, but subconsciously. They had heard somebody do it, you know. Um, but I've said to people, is that, is that your joke? They go, yeah. Well, they say, I wrote this. And 99% of the time, either it's been done, it's a hack line, it's somebody else's line, or it's just not funny. But occasionally, very rarely. And it has happened. Somebody come up with a great line they'll give me. And I'll use it. And you use it? Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Well, but that line you sent me, no. <laughs> that wasn't one of them. No. Well, I realized that. Not, although I still think it's funny. Okay. Yeah, if you've been in... I don't think it's funny. Like Have it's you gonna used land it? On a, no, I'm not, no, I know it's yours. I gave it to you. I can't use it. It'll be your joke. I'd be stealing from you at this but point. But I didn't use it. Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's yours. Is that too racist for your kind of material? Yeah, I don't do that kind of material. What's your really? biggest joke you have? My biggest joke? Yeah. The, 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 how much material do you have now? Uh, if you had to get up and do a set. Somebody gave you, said, you got 10 minutes, you have 15 minutes. I can do 15 solid. You could do 15 yeah. solid. Um, I want your big short flyer. You know what I end with this? It's going to kill. In the middle, is this going to... What is your favorite big joke and i know i shouldn't say that because out of context and you know a lot of times stuff doesn't work and it's the you know i, I know how that works that's why people interview me and they'll quote my material and it just doesn't translate onto paper yeah no totally i get it yeah someone asked me um last night i told him i was interviewing you today and he's like uh he's like what's you know what's a joke that i remember of his i'm like first of all if you heard his voice you'd know who he was and second of all not um, true but okay yeah well, that's new. Well, whatever. He he looked you up. He's like, oh yeah, I know this guy. I love this guy. I mean, everyone who knows you, they really do. You're a very popular comedian more than you than you yeah, probably sure think. Well, we can debate it. You know, I, when they hit my, a lot of times, I'll be on a plane and I'll get recognized, but nobody knows from where. You go to Camp Runamuck? Is that you go to Camp Indian Head? <laughs> you look familiar. Yeah, did you graduate from Illinois State <laughs> University? No, no. Are you my cashier at Trader Joe's? You ever... I, I, I get, yeah, I get that a lot. And I go, no. <laughs> Not yet. They go, but a lot of times, if a guy says, where do I know you from? I go, you must watch a lot of gay porn. And I make sure I say it loud enough for anybody in the area can hear it. And no one will ask you I'm another question. Embarrassed. Yeah, Gizmo. No, no, I don't. No, no. <laughs> Gizmo, stop. Gizmo. <laughs> Gizmo, shh, it's okay. I don't know what he's barking at. There's nobody here. There's nobody here. Gizmo, there's nobody here. He hears things. Could be yeah. my late wife's ghost. Okay. It's okay. Giz. Giz. They're barking. Um, but but my, I get recognized by my voice sometimes, you know. Um, you know, I used to get recognized and people used to think I was somebody else. Remember when Welcome Back Cotter was on, they thought it was Horshack. You know, Ron Polillo is dead now. So people now come up to me, aren't you dead? No. <laughs> <laughs> and you were dead. I thought you were dead. No, that's my that's career. That's my career, yeah, right. I'm <laughs> still here. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. So, um, well, okay, so the reason I brought up this other thing was he said, you know, what's a joke is, and, and my, the only joke of yours that I feel like I can quote out of context is your joke about uh, white men can't jump. That's such an old joke. I know, but And it's... people have used it, not that they've, stolen it from me but it's become part of the lexicon it's become part of you know it's as a matter of fact our friend david castro went throat to joke for me uh many years ago the new black toy store toys be us and that was my joke 
It was David's joke. It was my joke. He gave that to me. Right. And it was a killer joke. And then it somehow, you know, it somehow got transformed into uh, Weeby Toys. Right. And then, you know, somebody else could have thought of that. It's a great joke, but it's not the kind of joke. With, nobody else would think of that. So, you know, uh, but that was one of those jokes that just became part of popular culture. And every comedian was doing a version of it. Or I remember I was probably the first comic to do a joke about black names. Where do they get these names? You know, body parts, genitalia, you know, gingivita, salmonella. It's always diseases and body parts, uterus, placenta, <laughs> you know. And then black comics started doing it. But again... I could see where any comic with black people coming up with these ridiculous names would think of a bit like that. So, you know, I stopped doing it because so many people were coming up with similar ideas. But if you did it first... It doesn't matter. Other people can still come up with similar ideas. Yeah. You know, it's like McDonald's. What part of the chicken does McNuggets come from? You ever fly an airplane? The bathrooms are so small. Just because you did it first, there's still a million guys doing it because people think of the same stuff. Right. Not guys like you, but I mean, really good professional comedians. (laughs) We don't think of anything. So what's your big joke? You never told me. We're getting there. So, I mean, I have a couple of jokes that would fall in that category. Um, My first joke that I wrote that I still do, it's quick, it's quick and it's early, is, is uh, you know, that I used to live in L.A. and this town ruined me for dating because all the women I met were either actresses or models or remodels. Um, and and outside, of, outside of L.A., um, people laugh at that because they think of L.A. that everybody's had plastic surgery. Of course, when I wrote the joke, I was actually thinking about women who were constantly doing self-help and, and working on themselves. So to me, the remodel had a different meaning. It had someone who's like never done working on themselves. Right. And but but when I told it, everybody reacted to it in a way that I realized they they thought I meant physically, and so that's become what the joke is. Well, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah. Right. I know. So that's that is now how I mean it, <laughs> regardless. Fine. Well, it works. Um, and uh, and then I had a joke that I wrote that a, that a friend of mine wrote in parallel, which is and it's it's. We kind of went, we ended up in a different place with it. But when I heard him tell, I was like, fuck, I don't know if I can tell this joke anymore. But I've decided I just, I just own it. And he and I have this ongoing joke that he's like, I couldn't have told it better myself. I know I have or had at least a dozen jokes. But then again, we do this for 40 years. You know, three CDs, that's three hours. You know, I've had three, four hours of material at least. So there's been at least a dozen jokes, probably more of mine that somebody might have done first or I might have done them first. Or I know I thought of it. So you keep doing it. You know, you got to make that decision. Yeah. And then there's a lot of jokes that just, you get tired of doing. And I mean, I don't turn over material as quickly as maybe Jerry Seinfeld or, you know, Bill Burr, Bill Burr and Louis C.K. I mean, yeah, those, those guys, guys are constantly writing. I, yeah. I've i lost interest in it. You know, I've been doing it for a lot longer than they have. Right. You know, and uh, and they're great. And they're I'm, I, I, it's amazing because I went to the comedy store about three weeks ago. They asked me to do a set. And I haven't been to the comedy store in 25 years, minimum, maybe more. I can't, yeah, I haven't played there 20, 25 years. And um, there's no reason for me to because I'm on the road all the time. Right. And when I'm home, I want to stay home. So they have this great Thursday night where they book, they said the main room is packed every Thursday and there's all these major comics. And I said, just put me on early because I want to go on and get out. So to get to the comedy store for me on a Thursday night, just to drive down Sunset Boulevard, it's literally would be a 20-minute drive. But, you know, 7, 7.30 at night, it took me 45 minutes to get there. Yeah. I do my set, and I would come home, and, it, you know, I, I think I was supposed to get paid $100. I never even collected my paycheck. <laughs> but um, 
um, you know, I just just to go down and do this. But the point is, in the other room, you know, Joe Rogan was working, Bill Burr. These guys play there all the time. As much as being on the road as they are, they love doing stand-up, obviously. Yeah. And they love going out. And, you know, I don't... And I didn't think... I didn't realize Joe Rogan had a family, but, you know... And he has podcasts. He has his, you know, uh, Taekwondo. This is a very, very busy guy, but he still obviously has a passion for stand-up, as does Bill Burr. That's why these guys are so good. They have a passion for it. They still love doing it. I'm just burnt out and tired of doing it, you know. Well, That's just me. Yeah, in 10 years, 15 years, they'll, they'll be where you're at. I mean, they're, Maybe. You know. Maybe. Um, I mean, they're, they're... You mean washed up? I'm sorry? Washed up, they'll be where I am. Washed up. That's not how Sitting I think of you. With his mid pin, <laughs> drinking alcohol, and playing Doing a drums. podcast for a thousand Lock. imaginary listeners. Yeah. You know what? I hope they do my podcast in 10 years. I would love it. Um, I hope I'm still doing a I podcast. I can't believe in that's your years. dream to have a podcast in 10 years. That's a part of it. I enjoy doing this. This for me is like, uh, I really enjoy having conversations with people like this that are real, that go on for a while, that, that only an hour, that go on for, you know, we're almost out of time. And <laughs> I think we ran out of time a while ago. Um, that, you know, you have a chance to, to get to know the person and I, that's meaningful to me. I mean, build a relationship with someone. Oh, this yoga shit's beginning to get to, get to you. Okay. Um, well, yeah. that's what I, you asked. So that's what I like. Aren't you it. a vegetarian or something stupid? No. Gluten, You're not? No, no. I'm gluten off gluten. Free? I try to be off gluten. Yeah. Why was that? It didn't do you any good, did it? Uh, I know gluten makes me a little fucked up. Yeah. If I, you know what? You might be right. Cause my sinuses. I stuffed up a lot. I eat gluten. I used to think years ago it was cocaine. When I stopped doing that, they still, they got better, but not a lot better. It could be the gluten. It could be the gluten. It could be the gluten in the You uh, can go back to doing cocaine. That's the good news. But then I have to cut out the gluten. I can't do both. Yeah, right. No, I'm saying you cut out the no, gluten. I, you, I'm can gonna, do coke. you know what? I should cut out gluten for a few weeks just to see if it makes me feel better. I mean, I don't eat a lot of bread. I don't eat a lot of pasta. I actually don't eat a lot of gluten now that I think about it. I eat very little bread, very little pasta. I eat rice crackers with my goat cheese. I have very little dairy. So That's why you look so good, man. But you my sinus healthy. is still fucked up, so it could be allergies. It could be just the Jew. I think that comes naturally with being a Jew. You just all of a sudden either have fucked up sinuses or something. You know, I got bad sinuses, no money. I'm, you know, that's not a good Jew. Jews usually have money or bad sinuses. I You have both. I have everything. So maybe you're a little bi, biracial. Maybe. <laughs> that wasn't funny, but okay. You try to be funny. I was trying to think of a word for bi, but bi-religious, like bi, what would it be? Bipolar, maybe. Bipolar. I don't know. Yeah, my, I, we have bipolar in my family. That's, uh, that part's not funny. Really? Yeah. You can make it funny. shitty. Um, I got to figure out how. Right, right now it's just shitty. Well, let's get back to me, okay? Yeah, I agree. That's What's the what name of this podcast, by the way? You never told me. Oh, it's called Learning to Fail. Learning to Fail. What does that mean? Well, I learned it actually from David when we were doing the documentary about you. Right. That when comedians are coming up, they need a, pl a stage where they can go to learn how to fail. Well, by the way, why wasn't my documentary ever completed? Uh, we, I mean, I don't know. We did, there's still a dozen more interviews to do. It, I, it kills me that we didn't do Robin. We were talking about interviewing Robin Williams, and we just didn't get it get to it. And he, and then, he was going to do Paul Cantor, who blew you off from the Jefferson Airplane, and then he died too. Yeah, I guess that's why those two guys. Oh well. No, I'm still. I still want to. You do have it. to cut out my wife making that mistake calling uh, um, Lady Bruce's mom May. Her name was, you know. Yeah, we're, we're not going to keep anything that's, yeah. that's like that. Yeah, she had the wrong name for Sally Marr when she got May. My wife kept. 
you know, where did she get the name? May, I don't know. Yeah, May West, I don't Mar, know. Sally Mar, May, May West, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, I still want to do that documentary. I still have all the footage, you know, um, you should go interview Kitty Bruce Luddy's daughter. She's a fan and a friend. Okay. You should interview a lot of people, but I'm not getting involved with it anymore. I'm done with that. All right. Well, that's, that's going to make Besides, it has been a million since you've done that, worked on that documentary. There's been a dozen documentaries about stand-up, about comics, about, it's all been done. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. I'm amazed at how many, I mean, maybe it's just because it's what I'm reading, but I'm reading a lot of books and autobiographies by comedians. Do you know Artie Fletcher at all? Is that a name that you know? Yeah. So I just, I just, I just, uh, I just saw him. He opened for Gallagher and, uh, but he gave me his book and his book was pretty good. It was pretty compelling. Well, you know, the problem with his book is he even says that a lot of it's bullshit, that he made up some of the stuff. You decide what's bullshit, what's real. So I don't like that. You know, I mean, oh, I like yeah, the guy. Yeah, right. He said 10% was lies. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so you don't know when he has a great story. You go, I, I don't know if that's real or not. What's the point of writing a biography when you're making up stuff? It doesn't make any sense to me, but yeah. anyway. No, that's a good point. It was an interesting book. I read it. Oh, you did read it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, well, I thought he's, I think he's a great storyteller. Uh, so that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, that's, so it was pretty compelling. Like I could feel him telling those stories while I was reading it. Uh, but now that you remind me of that, that does sort of uh, take the shine off a little bit. Yeah. Um, there is no point in writing an autobiography that's Well, if you don't know what's real, fictional. what's made up, go, that's a great story, but is it real? I don't know. Yeah. So, so then it's just comedy. I wouldn't have said I'm making up some of the stuff. but You wouldn't have admitted it. No. No, but you wouldn't do it. No. Well, my stuff, everything's real. It might not be as exciting and interesting, but that's because it's real. No, I mean, I, do you remember when we, went, when we were making the movie, we went to that bar in New York and like everybody recognized you and they're like, oh my God, you were here. Do you remember this? No. We went to a bar in whatever town you grew up in in New York, and uh, the bartender remembered you. And No, and the bar in the neighborhood I grew up in, they were not... Uh, I remember going to that bar, the Candlelight Inn, but everybody that was there was gone, so I don't know. Or maybe a few people recognized me, but there weren't people that, from when I was little, I used to hang out at that bar. A little when I was like, in my teens, I hung out there. And they weren't the same people. Maybe they recognized me, but it wasn't... Because they used to say, they're still there. Yeah. I haven't been there in that bar in 40 years. Right. That yeah. was the last time I was there. Yeah. Well, we had a similar thing at the zoo. Just people, you know. It was it was very cool going. I don't know. I loved that project. Um, I loved, you know, just sitting in the car with you with the camera rolling. And you're just telling stories about everywhere we went. Going to your house where you grew up. Remember those people I let us into that. your house? Yes. Yeah. I think that was really cool. So, I had a pretty good childhood. It was pretty cool. Even though my mother made me go to Hebrew school. And I'll never forgive her for that crap. But, you know, anyway, okay, what else? I want to know, are you going to, what's the plan? Are you going to go back out on the road? And, yes, uh, I have to, to pay my bills. I go back in September. And your imaginary listeners can go to bobbyslayton.com and see where I'm playing. That's where my imaginary followers go. <laughs> Between you and I, we have a lot of imaginary people following us. Well, maybe we should tour together. Well, does that sound like a nightmare? Well, I would love to get you to Asheville or somewhere nearby. I heard it's a nice town. Yeah, it is. But you know what? There's so many places I want to go. You know, I, used to, I get all these travel magazines and I started cutting out some boxes and boxes of places I want to go. But, you know... It's I, there's so many places around the world I want to go. If I'm going to get on a plane again, why would I go to fucking North Carolina unless I'm working? To work? That's the only reason. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I, I look. I could barely get you for an hour in your own house. I don't yeah. expect you to come for a visit. I mean, you have decent barbecue, but even that sauce I don't like. I'd rather go to Austin and have their barbecue. 
Oh, you don't like the the you vinegary? Uh, it's okay. It's not my favorite. Yeah, we have I some, like we, it. We have some good barbecue there. That's Obama's yeah. favorite barbecue place. You like Obama, right? Yeah, but you have, yeah you have good barbecue everywhere though. That's the thing. Yeah. Good New York City's got great barbecue. Yeah. People don't think they do, but all you really need, you know, it's like yeah, you find great Chinese food. Maybe not might not be as prevalent in Atlanta as it is in San Francisco, but you know. When Chinese people come here, I remember having some of the best Thai food I ever had in Birmingham, Alabama. Some of the best Italian food because this guy had moved down from Little Italy, couldn't take New York anymore. His rent went up or something. He opened up in Birmingham. And the food was magnificent. Hmm. And it didn't last because an olive garden was down the street and all those southern, fat, white, stupid, black, dumb, motherfucking, retarded jackasses would rather go to the olive garden. That's depressing. That is super depressing. Half and I know what you mean. It's the way, it's, well, America, the, way of the world. It's just, you know, people think it's a great country. It's really not a great country. It could be a great country. It's too many fucking assholes. But I guess they're everywhere. It's amazing how stupid people are in America. Yeah, especially, yeah, now it's... How fat and stupid. It's very depressing. Every time I'm... I mean, I was driving through L.A. I was like, God, our freeways suck. Like, the roads are just shitty. And I drove down Lincoln. I was like, it's ugly as hell here. I just I just couldn't believe it. I mean, it's nice. Then I, went, yeah. I drove up to your house. I'm like, all right, this is this Driving is beautiful. down Lincoln Boulevard, yeah. when I first moved here... You know, and well, I know I first moved in with my girlfriend who became my wife down in the marina, and that was 30 years ago. Lincoln Boulevard was still not pretty, but there were a couple of cool looking coffee shops. There were a couple of mom and pop stores. There was a barbecue place. It was never nice. Right. You know, it was a prefab thing that was built in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But now, with the condos, and the condos on top of the condos, and the apartments next to the condos, and, you know, and it's, everything's a Starbucks and a chain because nobody can afford to go in anymore, and everything, it's so cold and so no personality. Yeah. That's a lot of L.A. That's, yeah, that's a lot of L.A. You know? I mean, Ventura Boulevard, I mean, the reason I love my neighborhood is there's so many great little restaurants down the street and great little grocery stores, you know? But it's like right after I do this podcast with you, I've got to go down to Macy's and buy something, which is the bottom of the hill. I've got to go to Trader Joe's. Then I've got to go to Whole Foods. And I gotta, but it's, it's nice to have. It's not pretty, but at the same time, the convenience is great. Yeah. You know. Yeah. When, you tra when I travel, I have a different appreciation for big box retail, like when I'm doing my yoga shows and I fucking need something and well, Target's there and Office, office I Depot's there. I hate doing it. I went to Costco yesterday where I saw Paul Stanley. <laughs> well, at least he got that. I like still rock roll night and grocery shop every day. Um, but, you know, it, it's nice to have that stuff. But at the same time, there's so many great little places that just fall to the wayside that close up here in New York. You know, the Carnegie Deli just closed. Because the cunt that owned the place, you know, she was tired of the business, didn't want to sell it, rather close it down. You know, all these little delis are closed and all these little restaurants and diners that I grew up going to are now, you know, Verizon stores and, and Sprint and Jamba Juice and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I like going through New York going, hey, I want a Jamba Juice, I got it in the Verizon store, but it'd be nice to have those other places back again. All those little Chinese restaurants that I grew up with, everything's gone. It's all corporate. But, you know, what are you going to do? I remember, remember my honeymoon. 30-something years ago, being in Venice, Italy. And somebody um, said to me, you know, if you see a store you like, buy it because you walk down these canals and you get lost in these little alleyways. And you ever been to Venice? It's a fascinating no, place. And, and so I remember going to this little shop and going, oh, I'll find it again. And I wanted to get lost. And I just walking and walking and walking. And it was, you know, it almost looked like it probably looked like in the 30s, 40s, even the 60s. Then there's a fucking Wendy's at the end of the street. 
and it ruined <laughs> Venice for me. Yeah. The fact they let corporate America go in there like that. Wendy's. It was just horrendous. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, it's happening where I live, too. I mean, Asheville is, uh, they don't allow a lot of corporate stuff downtown. Yeah, it's nice. Um, but they did allow an Urban Outfitters in. They took over a CVS, and they actually turned it into a much better building. They like, stripped all the stucco off and made well, it look like nice. old Asheville you know, again. Sometimes you got to do that. I understand yeah. you got to do that. Yeah, but it's weird. I mean, it's, you know, they won't let Starbucks open downtown, which I think is cool. It's nice. Yeah. Um, Bizarre, but great. You yeah. don't need it. And, and, you know, it, I, I can't tell how many little towns I've been to where there is a Starbucks and there's a mom and pop, you know, little operation across the street. And people are going into Starbucks, really? You know, there's a local steakhouse and you go into Ruth Chris, you know, really? Right. I know. Unless the restaurant really sucks, you know. No, but, but I've been good. in these places yeah. and they're great. Yeah. And people would rather go into this corporate America crap and it's just sad. I mean, look, I love Ruth Chris and I love Morton's and I've been to all these places. They're great restaurants. But if there's a local guy... You know, right. why would you go? You know? Yeah, people, they just, they want to be sure. You go to New York in the middle of Times Square, they have a Red Lobster, and you know. And, uh, you know, I'm yeah. always thinking. I know, I was in New York, and my stepmom took my daughter to the American Girl doll store. Yeah. And then ate at uh, TGI Friday's. Who did that? Was my stepmom and my daughter. I mean, you know, some, my daughter was seven at the time or something. You know, it's like we wanted to make sure she'd eat. But it's just... Uh, it was it was depressing to me. I was like, really, yeah, TGI pretty, Fridays? And it's not like a block away. You can't find a real fifty place. other places that are that are cool and interesting. I know. So, anyway, well, listen, man. I know you want to wrap this up. I, I really wanted to wrap it up it. an hour ago. <laughs> Good, but you didn't even ask me about my dead wife and my girlfriend. So that's nice. Well, I'm assuming that you don't want to talk about all that stuff. I'm happy to. I'd love to go into the personal with you, but I don't know if you're into it. It's really funny stuff. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Do you feel... I'm tired of talking about it, but do you want to ask me something? Are you going to leave here going, he didn't talk about his wife? Who's right right there in that urn, by the way. Oh, really? That's her. Okay. That's Teddy right there. Well, I, I mean... She wanted to be sprinkled over the Caribbean, but, you know, I haven't been to the Caribbean. There's something about having... And, you know, it, it's so funny that she's not really in there. You know, I don't, people buy that crap with the cremation. Right. It's 99% whatever they cremated her in. <laughs> Everything is, you know, the human body is what, 95% water. Right, right. And so it's all gone. Most of it's But it's just, you know, yeah. the symbolic idea of having her there. She had, that urn was sitting in my kitchen. She loves turquoise. So I, you know, it was sitting there. So I couldn't think of a better place to put her. I just kind of wanted to keep her here, you know. And uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Well, I think what's, I mean, you know, what I really felt like I got when I got, because I got to know you a little bit while we did the documentary and Not stuff. Not too much. And, no, just, a, just a, as much as you'd allow. And, but I really feel like you loved your wife and had a really, I mean, you were married for a long time. You know, you, your material is all about, you know. That was one of the toughest things. I'm not going to say the toughest thing about her death, but uh, when she died, it did cross my mind is what's going to happen to my act now. Yeah, I mean, I thought about that immediately. I mean, I think the night she died, I, it wasn't. Um, I thought about, well, there goes my act, and that wasn't what made me sad. But I did think that's going to be something I'm going to have to deal with in the future. Yeah, you know, and I've dealt with it fine. She's been gone a year already, and uh, over a year, it does go by fast. Um, can't believe it's been over a year, but um, um, you know, I managed to keep a lot of wife jokes in there. You know, because I don't talk about her death till like halfway through my show. Because once you do that, they can't talk about 
the wife so much anymore because she's not around. So I've, I've incorporated that and some dead wife jokes, which were hard, but I did it. I'm doing it. Well, it's part of how we process things, right? I mean, you process everything. I mean, your comedy is part of how you process your yeah. life. And I, you know, um, yeah, I remember when she was in the hospital dying, um, my daughter and I were, we didn't know she was dying. I wasn't sure if she was going to die or not, but we're in the waiting room, you know, and uh, we didn't realize how bad it was, but the TV was playing uh, the movie Pet Cemetery, you know, about right. you know, the kid that dies, and my daughter goes, why would they be showing that in the hospital? I go, well, they just have TBS on, right. you know, they just have <laughs> the channel on. They're not, they're they're not, not curating really watching it, yeah. it. They're not playing this on purpose, right. but... You know, the kid dies, they bury him in a pet cemetery, and he comes back crazy. And I said, you know, I said to my daughter, who was beside herself, I said, you know, if mommy does die, I'm going to bury her in a pet cemetery because maybe she'll come back normal. (laughs) 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 And my daughter and her friend were there, and they laughed because it was very funny, you know. Uh, And I have that in my act now. You know, along with another five minutes of white material, which I won't go into now. But then I met um, a lovely woman. Um, three months before my wife passed away, I spoke at a friend's funeral. A very good friend of mine who I've known for 40 years. Mm. I never met his wife. You know, he was in the business and I'd see him at things, events, but um, I never met his wife. They were only married for about 12 years. They were together 15 and she had her own business. So she never really went with him to, you know, out to the comedy clubs. And I've just known the guy for many, many years. And then my wife and I went to his funeral and I spoke at it. My wife passed away three months later and I called up his widow. Um, That was last March, about, you know, uh, 16 months ago, whatever. And then um, um, we went out in August, you know. It'll be a year this August that I've been dating his widow. Oh, I didn't realize that's... The widow and the widower. And people said, oh, maybe it's like a rebound kind of a thing. I go, no, no, it's not at all. It's not. Neither of us were looking for a relationship. Neither of us wanted a relationship. It's like the Godfather. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I was very happy being totally free. I wasn't happy my wife was gone. But there was a tremendous sense of freedom. Yeah. You know? You know, I imagine it's like when somebody's fighting death, they just let go. I, I felt the same way, you know I mean? She was gone, but there was something nice about the fact that, you know, I didn't have to answer to anybody. You know, I could, you know. But having, living in a house by yourself, it's weird for the first time in many years because I don't know when the air conditioning's on too high or the music's too loud. <laughs> no My one wife, to tell you what's, living, what you're I'm doing I'm living on wrong. the edge now. <laughs> I'm living on the edge. But uh, anyway, I met this woman and uh, it was just turned out to be great. It's just great. And it's just very weird. And, um, you know, we're both going to Mexico next week on a vacation. And uh, it's great. Life is good. Mom, I'm happy for you, man. I mean, you seem really, you do seem really happy. I do? I, yeah. I know that's not. Uh, I am really happy. I know that's not what you're. For the first time in my you life. Want anyone to, I know you don't want anyone to know that. Well, you know, it's like my career doesn't matter anymore. I don't care. You know, I'm 62 years old. Um, there's a new bunch of all these young comics and all these comics on TV. You know, I had my shot. I did my share of TV pilots. It just didn't go anywhere. You know, I get a movie coming out with Woody Allen. It's not a big part, you know, but whatever. Maybe that'll bring out more movies. 
If it does, it does. It does it, it does it. I'm not playing as many clubs as I used to. I don't have to anymore. And I just don't care. I'd rather just spend the next 30 years sitting in my pool and barbecuing. That's what I plan on doing. Well, I'm going to send you some barbecue sauce from North Carolina that I found that's really that, good. That, it's that local. vinegary shit? It's local. Yeah? Yeah, it's really good. It's my favorite stuff. Oh, really? Um, okay, yeah, yeah, well, I'd yeah, like yeah. to try it. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you. Know you know what I find most bottled barbecue sauce? If you look at the first ingredients, it's sugar. It's a bunch of crap. This is handmade, homemade. Really? Yeah, it's really good. send me a bottle. Yeah, yeah I will. Send it to me. Yep. Okay, we done now? We are done. Thank oh, you so much, oh, Bobby. God, thank God. I know, I know. It was painful and... Uh, I don't know. It's good for me to hang out with you and, and, um, you know, my, Oh, here he goes going on first interest in performing. It started when we started doing the documentary. Well, I'm sorry I did that to you. Well, it was interesting. Cause I was like, I was also pretty intimidated, you know, when I met you and I met Dana Carvey, Dana Carvey was the first guy I got really starstruck around. Did Dana Carvey do my documentary? Yeah, he did. Didn't yeah. We have good, good footage with him. Um, he's just so, he just, this the raw talent and just how quick witted you and all these other people are. I'm just like, man, I'm I got a long fucking way to go. You still have a long way to go. Yeah, no, I know. It's I'm I'm more conscious of it than ever. I think uh, you've actually gone in the other direction. I thought something was wrong with you. Like you had an accident. You seem like your brain has some kind of trauma. You don't seem as smart as you used to. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to be a lot quicker. That could just be me. Maybe I just thought more of you before. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I could be mixing over with somebody else. <laughs> all right, leave him laughing. That's what it's all about. Oh, my God. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Nobody puts me in my place like Bobby. I know he's not for everybody. And, Mom, I hope you made it all the way through to the end. But he's funny. Also, it's important for me to say that Bobby didn't have to do this podcast. He's not going to get anything out of it. He doesn't even think anybody's listening. All the more reason you should scribble down a review and share it with the world. He did it for me, because despite what he'd have you believe, Bobby cares about people. He's a good guy. He'll probably unfriend me for telling you so, but it's true. If you like what you heard, please visit our website, use our Amazon portal, and rate us on iTunes. Make sure you tell your friends about learning to fail. And if you feel so inclined, please consider making a donation on our donation page. That way, we can keep failing famously. 